Hi, everybody, and welcome to another new edition of Live from Pawnee. I'm Alan, and with me, as always, is my co-host, Mark. Mark, how are you today? Hey there, Sir Alan of the Roundtable. I'm doing all right, I guess. Um, unfortunately, the um, the blueberry is not. Um, our, our viewers probably don't realize this, no. but uh, LFP uh, Worldwide Headquarters is actually located in the middle of what I'm calling pothole central oh yes and and my poor little honda fit may have seen better times so i've I've actually got harvey uh out looking at it now so i called in constantine to help us with today's show oh wow i i i thought they were both uh supposed to be in the office day and i did not realize harvey was like a a asc certified mechanic either he does a lot of stuff that he does a lot of stuff um Uh and uh yeah i don't it's not good recently when harvey and constantine are in the office today they've got kind of uh robot related rivalry uh still going oh yeah well i thought harvey was working with the r&d department to create what was it uh robonstantine i think uh yeah that's right and in turn constantine booked some time with them to make a a a Transformers variation of a robot named Carvey. Oh, so they're still feuding, huh? Yeah. yeah, uh, yeah. See, I thought the R and D department was backing off the, you know, the the AI research anyway. Yeah, yeah, they are. But that's the only reason they're doing that is because they're going where the money is. See. Uh, okay, I'll bite. What, what does that mean? Well, apparently there's going to be um, a, a battle bots. Remember that great show battle bots from I the, do, from the yes. long time ago. Yeah. Um, the, I've been be saving a, my saw blades just so I can make one. Oh my gosh. Yeah. A battle bots type of showdown between uh Robonstantine and Carvey and everybody yeah. here at LFP worldwide headquarters is placing their bets, man. Uh, I'm sorry. What? Everybody is doing what? Uh, uh, you know, everybody's placing their bets. I've, uh, I, I've got a 20 on Carvey myself. Oh my God. Well, is it too late to get in on this thing? Um, final bets need to be placed today, but no, you can go ahead. All right. Well, hey, I guess it's a better investment than Bitcoin. What's that? Uh, never mind. <laughs> wow. Hey, Mark, why don't we just move on? Yes, please. That's a great idea. I, I think that's a great idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I think what we're actually here to talk about today is yeah. season four, episode 19, Live Ammo. That's right. Yep. This guy had a running time of 2113. It's a standard edition episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, first air, aired on April 19th, 2012. Right. Which is interesting because the last episode before this, which was Lucky, uh, episode 18 of season four, aired on March 8th. So there's like a five week gap between these there's, two. It was like a hiatus. A little there. hiatus. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then a run into the, you know, the uh, the fall or the summer runoff, you know, there before the fall break. Yeah, I like that runoff. Uh, it, they, so they're giving it like a big oomph here at the end of the season, it seems like. It feels like that. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I'd be interesting to, I don't, I'm sure I watched these all in real time by season four. What I don't remember is a five-week break. But anyway, I just thought that was interesting. That is interesting, yeah. Yeah. Today's episode was directed by Tristan Shapiro. Uh, this is the third of fourth that Tristan uh, directed. Uh, Tristan, is we know him from Community, Unbreakable, mm-hmm. Parks and Rec, of course. Uh, Never Have I Ever, the movie, and Veep, the the, the series on HBO with nice. uh, Julia Louis-Dreyfus. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this episode was written by Dave King. This is the second of seven that Dave ultimately wrote. Uh, he was also a producer on 34 episodes. We know him from Parks, of course, The Good Place, Simpsons, also the movie Never Have I Ever. Wow. So I thought that was interesting. These guys obviously work together in the movie. So if we ever get a chance to talk to them, we'll have to ask them about that. 
Very good. Yeah. Well, hey, Mark, why don't you uh, let's keep it rolling. And why don't you get us into our synopsises? All right, man. Synopsises incoming. I said it right this week. You certainly did. Yeah, impressive. Treat, please. Um, So (laughs) I I split this sucker up into three stories. Correct. Story B that did. Bong. Okay. Good deal. Good deal. So my A story. um, You could have argued two, I think, and been technically right. I could have. It really felt like three. It really did. Yeah. I. While I just phoned in these titles. Okay, I'm going with it. I don't care. My A story, the title's Cold Cuts. <laughs> nice. Yeah. All right. L- learning the park's budget is going to be cut. Leslie convinces retiring councilman Larry Pilner to reconsider. Ben is nervous about this action since they didn't discuss the possible ramifications. Ben's nervousness turns out to be justified when Pilner decides to, instead, cut the budget of an animal shelter instead, giving the animals only days to live. Bobby Newport's campaign manager, the cheerful, smart, talented, and deadly Jennifer Barkley, goes on television to label Leslie an animal killer. So Leslie adopts all the animals to save them. Of course she does. Of course she does. In desperation, Leslie and Ben talk to Pilner again and convince him to change the budget again and instead release some employees on retainer. This also backfires when Pilner goes further and cuts more employees, oh my God. including one Ann Perkins. Yeah. What will happen? How can Leslie and Ben stop the Barkley Express from eviscerating them on television? Does Councilman Pilner have a lesson to impart to Leslie before he retires? What will get cut? The park's budget. And Perkins or innocent puppies and kitties. Stay tuned to find out. Dot, dot, dot. Very nice. All right. What'd you have for the B story? The B story, uh, my title that I, I completely phoned in is Take the Chakra and Shove It. Nice. <laughs> I like <laughs> it. It's a little better. Chris reveals that Ron is among the finalists for assistant city manager, Ooh. but he first asks Ron to join him at a yoga studio for a <laughs> meditation session. Oh, boy. Yeah. Ron initially balks at this. Oh, weird. But Chris insists that this is a critical step. And Ron finally agrees to go and he spends the day with Chris. But while Chris cheerfully meditates, Ron is... Grumpy, refuses to smile, refuses to sit, and in fact, refuses to meditate at all. (laughs) How will this turn out? Does Chris offer Ron the position of assistant city manager? What potential political troubles does Chris learn about later? What is Ron's answer to Chris's team building exercise? Stick around, podcast viewers. All will be revealed. I like it. All right. The C story. Um, that I phoned in the title, uh, just called it Passion Project. Passion Project. I yep. like it. There we go. Yep. Despite her best efforts, April has become frustrated and miserable trying to fill in for Leslie in the parks department. When Leslie ends up adopting all those freaking animals from the shelter to save them, see the A story above, <laughs> April decides to hold an adoption fair at a park for the displaced shelter animals. April takes charge and she spearheads the events and she's feeling pretty good about it. But as the day goes on, maybe doesn't seem to be meeting the quota she was hoping for. What will happen? Has April found her true passion project? Will April find homes for all the animals? If not, how will April handle the news? Hang in there, true believers. Only time will tell. Dot, dot, dot. 
Nice job, Mark. Well, hey, how about AKAs? What'd you get this week? I got a couple. How about them AKAs? Yeah, how about well, them? Well, I got guys? one for each of the three stories. Uh, my first one is uh, from the A story, which is where Leslie's talking to Councilman Pilner over and over and over. Yeah. And apparently yeah. he's a real fan of ships in a in a bottle oh, that like yeah. becomes a, a yeah. thing with him. Sure. And and you know how when you're done, you 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 top off the bottle by putting a, 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 a little cork, a, a little in, cork yeah. in there. And so at one point she says, cause she's telling him don't cut stuff. And she says, yeah. hold that cork, sir. <laughs> I just thought that was funny. So that's from the A story from, yeah. from the B story, just because of Ron's reaction to it. When Chris first mentions that he wants the two of them to meditate together for yeah, a day. Oh yeah, yeah. And he ends as he leaves his <laughs> office with, Oh, Wear your yoga pants. <laughs> yeah, that's going to happen. I want to see that. Yes. <laughs> and uh, me too. And then for the C story. With his brown shirt. For the C story, April's getting really frustrated, as I mentioned. Yeah. And at a certain point, she's she's giving a, she's leading a meeting in front of a bunch of, I call them no good nicks. And they're, they're, they're giving April the business. They're yeah. They're giving her raspberries and that's stuff. That's the people's questions. Yeah. And at one point, she simply says to a man, you look like a hamster penis. <laughs> <laughs> which, which, you know, to be clear, is a is a fully accredited last name and sure not it is. hamster, yeah. yeah, space, penis, yeah, it's hamster penis. Yeah, this is one, one of my great parents was named that, so I, I went into ancestry and found the origin of that I name. Knew it's, that, yeah, it's fascinating. Yeah, <laughs> check it out. Wow, how about you, man? <laughs> well, on my A story, uh, Mark, I, I, this whole episode is an homage in so many ways to the West Wing. I mean, yeah. so many ways, and I just loved it for Me that too. reason. Uh, so I, I I went with, I mean, I guess it's technically an AKA because it kind of is also the real title of the episode, but I took the whole line. We play with live ammo around here. Yeah, that's a, a good one. a direct line, a direct lift right out of uh, one of the, the episodes of West Wing. So yep. Love that. For the B story, um, <laughs> Chris, Chris is so funny sometimes. I, I love this line. He says, uh, Ron, I'm going to try your not trying method right here, right now. <laughs> He's so excited about it. <laughs> he was excited. He wanted to see how that was going to work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then April, of course, is she? Uh, she she invests herself in this whole animal shelter thing, which makes total sense if you know how she feels about people. Yeah, she says uh, <laughs> the animals, you know, they should be rewarded for not being people. I completely agree. I agree. Nicely yes. done, not yeah. peoples. Not peoples. Love it. Well, hey, Mark, why don't we get into our episode breakdown? And uh, why don't you kick us off with that there cold open? I would be delighted to. Thank you, sir. All right. So uh, we got our cold open here. I, it clocks in at about 68 seconds. It's about midsize, I guess. Yeah. Uh, it's a, at, uh, I'd say it's, uh, I don't know if it's plot relevant, actually. I noticed in your notes, which you, you provide every week, which I love, you said that this was plot relevant. I was going, I was ready to fight on this one. I, I are, You've backed off. I, I are ready to fight too. I yeah. saw the the gleam in your in your yeah. beady little hamster eyes there. And so I. I, I <laughs> it's I, hamster I, penis. <laughs> pardon me, sir. <laughs> yeah, I think you're right. I think this is actually the first cold open in quite a while. It's not really directly plot related. I actually like it. Which is okay. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's a kind of a funny one. It's an interesting angle. So anyway, it, it takes place in all play and uh, go figure. Tom's apartment. Yeah. And, and, 
the scene opens with Anne opening the door for Leslie, who is dressed in like a, a black hat and trench coat, like she's some sort of a bizarre Parks and Rec spy or something. Yeah. I don't know. And and assuring Leslie that Tom is not there and lets Leslie in and kind of shows her around and, and shows her all the all the stuff in, in Tom's apartment from the ultra soft blankets to the entire shelf of coconut water in the fridge. This is, as Leslie puts it, like girl heaven. <laughs> well, and and clearly he loves catalog shopping. You can just tell. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. The thermostats are permanently at 80 degrees. Um, <laughs> they're all covered more in blankies or blankies, as Tom would say. So, yeah. And the scene ends with both Leslie and, and Anne just kind of just like lounging around in yeah. the bed luxuriously in the covers. Oh, it's so soft. <laughs> it was kind of funny. <laughs> Well, Mark, from there, we move over to the hallway of City Hall and we kick off the main episode uh, and we're reminded that Leslie's skill at negotiation, or at least, uh, you know, wearing her opponents down until she wins is pretty good. Meanwhile, in the hallway of justice. Oh, wait, that's another thing. All right. <laughs> not far off, though. Not, not yeah, far off. I like All it. right. So, yeah, we're at City Hall and we're in the hallway and uh, Leslie is waiting for one Councilman Larry Pilner, who uh, Leslie finally sees walking down the hall towards her. And she kind of merges in with his walk in a classic walk and talk. talk yes. Homage to West Wing um, with uh, Councilman Pilner regarding the new city budget in which they are apparently planning to reduce the park's budget by 8%. Leslie asks him to not let that happen. And Pilner is resistant. Saying, look, the, the budget's all but finalized. But after Leslie puts a human face to the proposed cuts, Pilner goes, all right. He 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 relents and he says, OK, I'll find the cuts somewhere else. I love it. Uh, in addition to the walk and talk, of course, Councilman Pilner, played by the great Black Bradley Whitford. That's right. Uh, from West Wing fame and uh, th that their Hulu, uh, you know, Handmade Tale, if you watch that show, which I highly don't recommend because it's it creeps me out. Maybe best known for Cabin in the Woods. Cabin in the Woods. I forgot about that. All right, maybe yeah. not best known. But I would not say best known. I yes. love that. I love that. That, that is a out there kind of thing. It is. Yeah, I, I highly recommend With it. Thor once. and it's got all sorts. It of people. does. It Thor wasn't it? Oh I my know. god, I forgot. Yep. Yeah, I might have to rewatch that yeah. actually. Well, meanwhile, in the briefing room at City Hall, we learn about April's unique skill in guessing persons' names just by looking at them. Mm. I think you referred to this earlier. I, I certainly <laughs> did. Yeah, we see April and uh, I think Don is there helping her as well. Yeah. And and they're kind of like at a table in front of a room and several people. I couldn't tell if this was like a press conference room or what it was. I just think it was just a regular conference room. It didn't matter. No, anyway, it's the briefing room. Oh, is that what it is? Okay. Yeah. So, Mark. This, this is, is, like the this West is a West Wing like, homage. Duh, duh. Yeah, you're right. You're right. God. So it's the briefing room. <laughs> and so several people are, are occupying chairs facing them. And uh, April introduces herself to them and tells them that she will be filling in for Leslie while she runs for office. And the, the mean, no good Nick crowd starts peppering her with questions. And despite her best efforts, April becomes frustrated and she starts to stumble. And it doesn't help at all that Tom is just going and messing with his phone instead of paying attention. Yeah. Everything about this so far, I won't say it's a shot for shot recreation of West Wing because clearly it's not. But this is the briefing room. Somebody's filling in for CJ and the press are eating them alive. I mean, it just everything about this episode is a love letter to the West Wing. I yeah. Love it. Yeah, so, that's true. Yep. Well, over in Ron's office. Chris has some good news for Ron and then immediately ruins it by offering to spend the entire day with him. Oy. 
Yeah. Chris walks like in. Chris will do. <laughs> Chris walks into Ron's office and tells him that he is a finalist for the job of a city s- assistant city manager. Easy for you to say. However, there is there is one more step in the vetting process, and that is for the two of them to have a session of heart rate meditation. Mm. And Ron protests, but Chris insists, no, this is crucial, man, because they're they're such different people. They need to spend a day like this and consider what it would really mean for them to work together. It's not a terrible idea on the surface. No, it kind of makes sense. It kind of makes sense. It doesn't make Ron any less grumpy, but it does make sense. But you know, if he'd wear those yoga pants, he'd feel so much better about it. I would pay upwards of $5 to see that. Easily. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I'll have to pull my money back from the bet I put on Robonstantine. I mean, my I'm bet. not saying who I bet on. No. That's no. Your, dude, you're, that's, you're losing. Your, Is that, oh, I don't shoot. Even want, no, oh, you got the wrong right. one. You okay. must have some insider information. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, Mark over at Tref Cab. Leslie is riding high and her inhibitions are a bit low after influencing Councilman Pilner. And Ben's a little worried about the impact of all of this. Yeah. Um. Ben seems a little concerned about Leslie's earlier conversation with Councilman mm-hmm. Pilner. They didn't really discuss it. And, and uh, although Leslie doesn't see how saving the park budget, I mean, come on, how could that possibly be? How wrong? could it be wrong? But Ben is still a little uncertain, claiming that, you know, you do this and you do it. You're still thinking kind of like a parks uh, employee and yeah. not like a city council candidate. And Ben tells Leslie, you know what? Let me let me make some calls. Let me kind of see what the what the ground looks like. And, and I'll tell you what I find out. You know, it's interesting. I think this is the first hint of what's going to be a, thema- a theme through the whole episode of, you know, for everything you win, you got to lose somewhere. Mm. This 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 it's is a zero sum game. It, it is a zero sum game. Mm-hmm. And I think almost everybody in this episode is going to experience that in one way or another. Kind of interesting. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah, that's well said. Yep. Well, over in Tom and Leslie, well, formerly Leslie's office. That's right. April is not exactly enjoying this time filling in for Leslie. No, she's not. April is telling Tom all about it. She does not like it one bit. And she is begging him to help her or maybe just do it himself, which, I, <laughs> which quite frankly, I think puts Tom on high alert. Yeah, because he, the, 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 he might have to work. The prospect of him actually having to do his job is borderline yeah. terrifying. So Tom tries to encourage April probably to avoid doing any work himself by reminding her what Leslie always says, which is you get out of a job, what you put into it and telling her that she just needs to find a project that she's passionate about. Not bad advice, but April seems a little unsure. Well, while that's happening, Mark outside in city hall, Ron seeks some advice from Anne and gets a chance to uh, borrow her pants as it turns out. This is just a short little scene. I, I think that Ron is a little alarmed at what Chris has asked him to do. And so out of desperations, he goes to the nurse, whatever her name is, who, who's sitting outside in the courtyard that we know so well at one sure, of the tables. Sure. Yeah. And Ron approaches her and just says, have you ever meditated with Chris? And if so, what 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 am I in for? Yeah, what's going to happen? Here? And, and her simple answer summarized is it's crazy boring. It lasts forever. <laughs> You're going to wish you were dead. <laughs> Ron's not pleased at that. And he Uh turns right back around and goes inside. Uh (laughs) He's in trouble. I love it. Do you want to borrow my yoga pants? No. No. No, he does not. Well, back at Tref Cab, Ben delivers some bad news about the impact of uh, Leslie's budget win. And Jennifer Barkley uh, speculates about how long Leslie's actually been a dog murderer. (laughs) 
<laughs> this is this is this is bad. So the gang is gathered at Nope campaign headquarters and Ben enters and Leslie asks him, hey, you're going to do some calls and stuff and see how things were, were looking there. And uh, how's things looking with regards to Councilman Pilner and the budget? Everything's great, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Alan, let's just have Constantine play this clip. I love it. Hey, so did Pilner finalize the budget? Are we okay? We are the opposite of okay. What do you mean? To keep the money in parks, they're going to shut down the Westside Animal Shelter. The money had to come from somewhere, and the shelter is on its last legs, so they're closing it at the end of the week. Ooh. That's where Champion came from. What will happen to all the other animals? Well, they'll be... Mm. Fine. No, <laughs> they'll be... Mm. <gasps> no! Guys? Apparently, Leslie Nope wielded her insider influence Ugh. and got Councilman Pilner to save her precious department, even though it meant closing the shelter. Now, I'm not saying that Leslie Nope is a dog murderer, per se. I just think that her actions raise some questions. Like, for example, is she a dog murderer? Oh, God. Well, I don't know the answer to that, Jennifer, but your tone makes me think, yes. yes. <laughs> Say your goodbyes, Pebble. Oh. Because Wesley Nope gonna kill you. Oh, no. She got the perfect puppy for that child. She is good. <laughs> Leslie, there's a woman on the phone that says her daughter's scared to go to sleep because Leslie Nope's going to come murder her kitty. Okay, we can fix this. Yes, we can. Tomorrow morning, we are going back to Pilner and telling him to cut the park's budget. No, 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 no. We can figure something else out. Oy. Oh. Leslie will not give up at any cost. No, no, she not she even will the not. cost of murdering puppies and kitties. That's what it takes. Um, yeah, th- we we have another uh, nice return to the final word with Perd and, yes. and 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 the nefarious, dastardly, uh, cheerful and talented and deadly and and uh, you know stuff. Uh, yeah. Gen- Jennifer Barkley and stuff. Yeah, uh, yeah, uh, she's good. I love to hate her. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah. Well, the next morning at Traff Cab, we all know, Mark, that sometimes good news comes with bad news. Well, the good news is that Leslie can save all the animals of the sh- of the shelter. Uh, yay. Right, right. Sometimes good news comes with a pig. Oh. Oh, no. So early the next morning at Traff Cab, we've got a pig. So we see Ben walking through the room, and he's kind of like, it's early morning. He's kind of yeah, wearing a T-shirt. He's yeah. not awake yet. His, his hair is disheveled. He's reading the paper. He looks up, and he sees, like, dogs and cats and rabbits and <laughs> pig and a lot of other animals all through the house. And Leslie explains to Ben, well, she adopted all the animals from the shelter, including 32 cats and dogs, and rabbits, and, and a pig. <laughs> I mean, normal, right? I mean... I I guess for her, I mean, it's not, it's within her lane. Yeah. 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 Well, we'll see what happens with that. Yeah. Meanwhile, Mark, having arrived in Muncie, Chris and Ron find that you can mix business with pleasure or at least Asian philosophy with Mediterranean food odors. Wow. They're going to the big towns. The big town. Muncie's a big deal. Yeah, sure. Yeah. so, So we see Chris and Ron get out of Chris's car and they walk towards the Muncie Meditation Center, which is right next door, by the way, to the... Achilles meal, a love Greek it. restaurant. Yeah, makes love sense. it. Yeah. yeah, Chris insists that this is one of the best meditation centers in the area, and the strip mall actually has surprisingly decent chi. Although the smells from the you know loud Greek restaurant next door <laughs> are not ideal, um, they go inside, and Chris instructs Ron to take in the vibe of the room, remain open of mind and spirit, quietly sit behind him, and join breath. Chris sits down on a pillow makes a circle with the fingers of each hand and inhales deeply. 
Ron stands behind him on his pillow and looks grumpily ahead. <laughs> I'll stand. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Interesting technique. <laughs> <laughs> well, back at Traff Cab, uh, or what I call the new West Side Animal Shelter, Mark. Yes. Um, April finds that something she can care about. And, uh, you know, it's it's not shockingly, it's not people. <laughs> no shock there. We see Andy laying down on the floor covered by animals, which we've seen before. Oh, yeah. <laughs> covered um, in puppies. April is sitting on the couch holding and cuddling a tiny little dog. Oh. Uh, Tom is standing outside so as not to get animal dander on his cashmere. Cashmere. <laughs> when Leslie and Ben start talking about what the next freaking steps are regarding these animals, April suggests that, that she... Uh, have a pet adoption event in one of the parks. Leslie thinks this is a great idea. And April is somewhat excited that maybe she found a project she'd enjoy doing. Meanwhile, Leslie and Ben are going to continue looking at the town hall budget in an attempt to find yet another thing that can be cut <laughs> instead of the park's budget and instead of the animal shelter funding. Well, Mark, uh, this is the coolest thing since NSYNC, Aerosmith, and Nelly all performed together at the Superbomb Halftone Show. Ew. Uh. <laughs> uh, well, back at the Muncie Meditation Center and after six hours, Ron still does not understand crackpot meditation. This is this is a very short scene yeah. and it's one big Ron talking head where you sometimes see things going on in the background. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, you know, we see a series of shots where Chris is sitting on his pillow, quietly, calmly achieving Zen. And Ron is just standing behind him in his Ron way on his pillow, just looking grumpily ahead. And you hear Ron say, all told, we were in there about six hours. And no, I was not meditating. I just stood there quietly breathing. There were no thoughts in my head whatsoever. My mind was blank. I don't know what the hell those other crackpots are doing. <laughs> Sounds pretty similar. I love it. Yeah. Well, at the pet adoption event, April is not only in charge, but things seem to actually be kind of going well. Yeah. Yeah. It does seem like that. So we see an outside shot within one of Pawnee's parks. I'm not sure we know which one. It doesn't yeah, matter. Doesn't matter. Uh, in April is set up uh, the aforementioned event with a banner proudly proclaiming pet adoptions today. We see multiple animal cages complete with pet adoption profiles on them. April is bustling around busily, taking charge and giving orders and not in a snarky, bossy way, but rather in, in a focused a constructive way. Like she, she seems genuinely excited about the event. Um, and we even see a mother and daughter looking closely at a dog, like looking like maybe they're going to take it home. April seems rather pleased at this point with how things are going. Well, we'll check back in on that and see how it is going later. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Mark, it turns out that it's a lot harder to get dogs to play poker than your velvet living room art would imply. Oh, it's not for lack of trying. No, of course not. Leslie and Ben are looking through books, paperwork, documentation, et cetera, et cetera, desperately trying to find another candidate for a budget cut. And after a bit of looking and Ben mistakenly eating a dog biscuit, um, <laughs> Leslie thinks she may Look, have. Those biscuits were to help the dogs learn how to play poker. I know it's you would think that that would work. Seems right. Seems to like me. a shoe in. Leslie thinks that she finally may have found. Uh, you know how the Scooby gang and, and Buffy well, sure. will, will sometimes do the research and say, oh, yeah. here's the thing that we need. Yeah. So Leslie found the thing, she thinks. And we, all of a sudden we cut to Councilman Pilner's office where Leslie and Ben show him the thing that they found. And specifically, there are three employees that they found designated as D1. 
on retainer. Public Works is still paying them, even though they haven't worked in two years. So Leslie calculates getting rid of those three employees will provide just enough money to keep the animal shelter operating while still maintaining the park's budget. And it seems like Councilman Pilner may be willing again to alter the budget. I mean, brilliant. Yeah. Right. What could possibly go wrong? Nothing. Good night, everybody. Wait, wait, wait. We're not over. Well, before then, Mark. Yeah. Uh, we're back over at the Muncie Meditation Center. And while Ron did not get the whole meditation thing, it turns out that he did somehow pass Chris's test. This is really interesting. We, we see Chris asking Ron essentially about his experience with the meditation. And you know what? Let's just have Constantine play this clip. Ron, you radiated mindfulness. What were you thinking about? I wasn't thinking at all. Incredible. It takes a ton of work for me to get to that kind of a clear headspace, no matter how hard I try. Don't try so hard. Don't try so hard. Ron, <laughs> I'm going to try your not trying method right here, right now. <laughs> Chris, wait. I know this crap is important to you, so I should come clean. I got nothing out of that experience at all. So if you're looking for someone who enjoys meditation... Oh, I didn't expect you to enjoy it. My one reservation about you as a co-worker was that you seem inflexible. And merely by agreeing to an activity you're not interested in, you showed flexibility. Ron, you've got the job. You want to head back? I do. But first, there's a hot spinning cone of meat <laughs> in that Greek restaurant <laughs> next door. I don't know what it is, but I'd like to eat the whole thing. Hot spinning cone of meat. What better way to cap off a victory? Well, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'm thinking that's gyro or gyro, depending on where you're from. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. If it's spinning, it's I want it. <laughs> well, Mark, from there, if I'm not mistaken, most animal adoption events are measured by how many animals leave the event, right? Yeah. Oh, well, oops. Yeah, yeah. They're measured in output. Yeah. There should not be uh, what you call their input. input. Yeah. No, 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 no. Well, April is now frantic, frustrated, upset. The pet adoption event, which seemed like it was going well earlier, and it's now almost over and only one dog got adopted. Wow. And to make matters worse, boy, a woman shows up at the very end thinking <laughs> it's an event to drop off unwanted cats, sets, <laughs> sets down two inhabited carriers and then just leaves, meaning they ended up with more animals than they started, started with. with yeah. Poor April. She is distraught. Yeah. She chased after her, too, but it didn't work. Get back here and get your beep <laughs> cats out of there. That was writer uh, Katie Dipold playing that part, by the way. Is that right? Yeah, it was. Oh, that's yeah, funny. That great. Yeah. yeah. Also the author of uh, Ghostbusters uh, with uh, Melissa McCarthy and team. So, oh, yeah. 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 So pretty funny. Well, Mark, back at Traff Cab, we're reminded that the universe demands balance and to win one, someone must lose one. Yeah, man, the universe, you suck. Universe. It does suck sometimes. Leslie and Ben are cuddling together on the couch and they're watching TV and they're feeling pretty good about their efforts regarding the budget. Dot, dot, dot. Then Anne Perkins enters a few seconds later, and after a small exchange where they tell Anne about their solution for the budget, i.e. got rid of a bunch of lame-ass D1s from Public Works, <laughs> Anne tells them, 
awesome news. Hey, you know what else is pretty neat is that thanks to you, Councilman Pilner went through the budget and guess what? He decided that not just public works, but all D1s will be terminated in two weeks. Huh? I'm getting fired. And Leslie takes this in and and thinks about (laughs) it and measures a a response and then finally says in a level voice, but what now? (laughs) Huh? Something unexpected happened, Mark. Yep. Well, back at City Hall, the good news, followed by bad news, just keeps rolling on. Oh, holy hell. Chris approaches uh, uh, our much-loved Councilman Hauser, who I might add we finally see without having an awkward exchange with Leslie. It's the first. It is. It's the first. And excitedly tells him that he picked his assistant city manager. It's Ron Swanson. He says he's so excited. Councilman Hauser, however, suggests Chris put a pin in it for now and tells him... The council vote is three to two in favor of Chris having another term, but one of the yes votes is retiring. Bobby Newport's not real pleased that Chris has been using his spare time to help Leslie out. And so if Bobby Newport wins, he's going to bring in his own guy and Chris will be out of a job. Uh Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, another one of those things that has unintended consequences. Yeah. Seems to be a theme today. It certainly does. Yeah. Well, in Pilner's office, Mark, the uh, political lessons continue whether Leslie wants them to or not. Wow. Yeah. Leslie uh, and Ben are are in uh, Pilner's office there and she's pleading with him again for just a little more time again to figure out something regarding the budget cuts. And Pilner apologizes if it tells Leslie, I'm sorry, I can't give you any more time. And he then has, I think, a little bit of a come to Jesus moment with Leslie. And, and he says, Leslie, I'm retiring at the end of this term. So I've been fine with you guys pushing me around on this budget thing. That's fine. But if you're ever going to hold this job, there's something that you need to understand. City council is not about making everyone in town happy. In fact, every decision you make is going to make a lot of people very unhappy. We play with live ammo around here. Now, I'm going to close the book on this budget draft by the end of the business day. So if you can find some way out of this mess by 5 p.m., you let me know. Okay. Uh, seems fair to me. Yeah. He's at least given her a shot. And I think it's an important lesson. It, I, it's a very important lesson. Yeah. yeah. You know, I mean, I, Parks and Rec is a comedy, right, at the end of the day. But I kind of like this personally. I do too. Um, I think it's interesting that, you know, they're going to talk about the real side of being in politics. I agree. Yeah. I agree. Just a little. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Mark and Ron's office, Chris has to deliver the bad news to Ron and things get quickly meta. And I I don't mean Facebook when I say meta. No, no. We see Chris enter Ron's office and Ron is uncharacteristically excited to see Chris, probably because he's come up with a way to reduce government spending by 85 percent. Hint, no more departments. (laughs) However, Chris is rather down and tells Ron the news that he learned from Councilman Hauser, specifically if Bobby Newport wins. Chris is out of a job, and by extension, Chris may have offered Ron a job that he has no authority to offer. Ron tells Chris not to worry about him. He'll be fine. But after a few moments with Chris spiraling in front of him, Ron (laughs) stops him before he can leave, saying, We did things your way, grabs a bottle of Lagavulin and puts it on his desk. Now we're going to do it my way. Prepare to experience true freedom and bliss. And you see Chris sit down, and Ron grabs two whiskey glasses and places them on his desk as well. I think Ron may be onto something. He may be. Yeah. I love Chris's spiral, though. We're all just molecules floating around in random patterns devoid of meaning. Well, I'll see you when I see you. 
piece. I'm a rolling stone. I'm a rolling stone. <laughs> uh, so good. Well, Mark, outside City Hall, Leslie has decided that she is not going to give up no matter what. This is like the the, the final hour. Yeah. Whatever. Now we gotta pay we gotta pay the copyright on that. Nice job. No, I was just yawning. It was pretty bad, actually. I don't think they'll recognize. No, 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 no. There's not not a chance. It was not. What are we in Europe? Yeah, no. Oh my God. Please continue. All right. Leslie, Ben, and Anne sit outside at the courtyard table and they're brainstorming what the heck they can possibly do in the time remaining. It seems pretty bleak. And finally, Ben kind of encapsulates things, I think, to this point and says, Leslie, there is nowhere else to get the money. This is a town budget, not a bottomless trust fund. Ching. And Leslie looks up wide eyes when she hears this phrase and she stands up. And she tells Ben and Ann to shush. She's got half an idea and she's putting it together. No, shush. And after a few minor interruptions from Ben and Ann trying to help her out, and she thinks in silence for a few seconds, and then she proudly proclaims, okay, now I have a complete idea. (laughs) Ben, I'm going to commit political suicide. Oh, my. What's she going to do? I do not know. Well, Mark, I I like this next scene between Tom and April. And it's nice to see Tom's human head every once in a while. That's what I said. I know. <laughs> we see Tom. We're at City Hall and we see uh, we're in Tom's office. And I think he like looks over at April's desk, formerly Leslie's desk. Yeah. And, and, and which is currently empty. Like it looks like April didn't come into work. Yeah. And he mm, he then gets up. She's homesick. And leaves his office. And we then see him over at Tref Cab knocking on the door. Alan, let's have Constantine play this clip. Let's do Hey, it's me, Tommy. Hi. I'm not here. April. I swear on my great-great-grandmother's grave, I'm not here. Then I come in for a second. Can you just leave me alone? Why so glum, sugar plum? Um, I don't know, maybe because I worked so hard on that dumb pet adoption and I failed. That's why it's stupid to work hard. Let me show you something. Because you worked hard, this little terribly dressed girl has a puppy. <laughs> and this little puppy... Has a home. If Leslie's taught me anything, it's that yes, 98% of the time, this job is frustrating and you hit brick walls. But the other 2%, it's stuff like this kid and that puppy. <laughs> what? What is that photo? That must come preloaded in there or something. Oh my God. See you at work tomorrow? Fine. All right. Bye, pups. Bye, little piggies. I love that scene. I also love that, you know, they had to at least have Tom be Tom a little bit and they threw in the coffee mug picture. Well, yeah. Otherwise you wouldn't recognize That's him. right. So Who you, you have, guy? you know, several pronunciations of puppy, puppy. and, um, you know, he brings out and is like an iPad or something. And he shows yeah. uh, April the picture of this horribly little dress girl and, uh, and she has the puppy. So she's happy. <laughs> and, uh, and then the, the picture kind of fades away and is replaced with a new picture. Yeah. And it's, the picture that we've seen so many times, it's become almost iconic of Tom, where it's like this pensive picture of Tom uh-huh. and he's holding this teeny tiny little yeah. coffee cup little and he's like mug. Yeah. staring off to the side into the middle distance. And, you know, I was like, oh, what? that must have come preloaded. That's weird. I don't know. So pretty, pretty funny stuff. And I, I like agree that. with you, by the way. Tom's human head. I like it. Yeah. Because that was actually good advice. It was good advice. And it's like he's actually been paying attention to Leslie a little, too. Yes. 
who now maybe needs to find some of her own advice. But anyway, we'll get back to that. Mm, yeah. Yes, yes. Well, Mark, back in Ron's office, the whiskey is flowing and Ron has some good advice for Chris. Yeah, this is uh, Ron's version of a team building exercise, I think. <laughs> it's not I like bad. It. Yeah. Yeah. It, it seems as though his team building exercise with Lagavulin has helped Chris, like at least a little bit. Yeah. You know what Mark, I mean? Mark, I think we should have a team building exercise much like this right after the podcast today. Oh, I I could not agree with you more. I personally have a team building exercise every night before I go to bed. <laughs> <laughs> but but I think they would be even more fun here at LFP yeah. Worldwide Headquarters. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's less sad when you do it with other people. It's yes. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> All right. So I think that this has helped Chris a little bit. I think like, so. not that it solved it, but I no. think like if he feels a little better. So he's appreciative, I think, and he gets up and he prepares to leave. But Ron stops him before he leaves and he says, you know what? You might want to consider the possible upside of losing your job, as crazy as that sounds. And Ron prattles on about, you know, no longer being a government parasite and other Swansonisms, blah, blah, blah. And Chris sees Anne walking through the the outside courtyard, like through mm. the window. And he smiles at her and she waves at him. And this seems to cheer him up like even a bit more. And Ron finishes his spiel. Who knows what he was talking about? Doesn't matter. And Chris Seems a little bit, you know, mollified and leaves his office. I like it. Yeah. Well, it's just a slight a mindset shift. Right. Right. Priorities. Priorities. Yes. Yeah. That's a good way to put it. Mm -hmm. And I'm not sure that Chris didn't kind of do the same thing for Ron, although he may not recognize it yet. We'll see. Mm. Yeah. Good point. Yep. Well, Mark, in our penultimate scene, we hop over to JJ's and we, we finally get to see what Leslie has in mind that might actually save the Parks Department. Anne's job and the animal shelter. Unbelievable. What rabbit, Trifecta. What rabbit is she going to pull out of this, this crazy, crazy hat of hers? Well, I don't know if they serve rabbit, but they're at JJ's diner. <laughs> and uh, we see Leslie and Ben once again meeting with the dastardly and talented Jennifer Barkley. And uh, Alan, tell you what, how about we have Constantine play this one last clip? I think that's a good idea. Uh-oh, we look serious. What's on the agenda? Just one item, Jennifer. You are going to announce that Bobby Newport will use his personal fortune to save the animal shelter. No. No, that's... That's, um... That is a great idea. In fact, I don't know why I hadn't thought of it already. Damn it. Damn it! I swear the air in this town is killing my brain cells. Actually, the water's not good for you either. You shouldn't drink the tap water. Has anyone told you that yet? In exchange, <laughs> no more puppy killer ads for the rest of the campaign. That's all we ask. Okay, well, what's to stop me from just paying for the shelter and still running the ads? Because I told Councilman Pilner that if you don't agree to our terms, he should cut the park's budget. And we'll leak that it was Leslie's decision, making her seem tough and fair, what with sacrificing her old apartment. Okay, what's in it for you? A safe home for the animals, a job for my friend, and a full park's budget. I wasn't born yesterday. You've got to have an angle. This is a home run for us. We're going to dominate the news cycle for a whole week. Well, you can have this week. We'll take the next one. Oh, yeah? <laughs> what makes you so sure? Because in a week, we have a debate. And your guy, Bobby Newport, is going to have to show up, and he's going to have to open his mouth. <laughs> and I'm going to kick his ass. Woo. She'll take care of that. See you next week. <laughs> <laughs> I love that right there at the very end because yeah. we already saw her spit the water yeah, back yeah. out once Leslie says, you know, you shouldn't drink the water yeah. here. I think Jennifer's a little she stunned forgot. at this yeah. news and she's like, I might, might as well have a sip of this tasty water here. Oh, wait, <laughs> blah, 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 blah. it's plenty water. Uh, I love the power move by Leslie. I mean, that's a great way to go out on the episode, actually. 
I, I agree. And maybe this is an overly simplistic way of looking at it, but, but this is the first time since Jennifer Barkley has been introduced to the show that they have legitimately surprised her. I think you're right. Except for this, she's been able to like predict where they're going to go yeah. with things and is able to, to counteract. Yeah. Or, or even if not predict, react so quickly that it nullified whatever thing they did. Agreed. I think here she's going to take this and do it because it's temporarily good for her candidate. Right. Yeah. Right. And she knows she's going to prep him for this debate, which we'll talk about here in a minute. Yep. So, yep. All right. Well, Mark, in our final scene, it's the kicker, of course. And we see that Ron is now using his newfound meditative skills. It's important that one use their powers for good and not evil. Of course. Whatever. I'm going to start trying that. <laughs> good luck. Yeah. Chris enters Ron's office and he is intent on inviting his new best friend for a session of drinking and playing Cranium. Yeah, sure. Which is an excellent game, by the way. I, I like Cranium. It's been a minute, but yeah. It has been a minute. Um, Chris starts to babble about Cranium. Oh, Cranium. And Ron doesn't look at Chris and indeed doesn't even move. He just kind of sits motionless in his chair, staring <laughs> off into the distance. And April finally comes in and tells Chris, Ron is meditating and he wishes to remain undisturbed to better clarify his headspace. Chris smiles and he apologizes to Ron and he backs out of the office. April watches Chris go. Looks back at Ron. Ron glances up at her, winks, and then goes back to it. And April leaves smiling. Love it. Fade to black. Fade to black. Yep. Yeah. Well, I'm anxious to come back from our break, Mark, and talk about this episode, which we'll do here shortly. So yeah. hang out for a few and we'll be right back. All right. Consider that time, space, and reality as you know it are not fixed, but fluid. Contemplate that another version of you on a different branch in the timeline made substantially different choices leading up to this very moment. I observe all, but I cannot and will not interfere. Not, not again. It was really bad last time. I got yelled at. But that is a different story for a different time. Journey with us to explore the unknown as we ask the big question. Pawnee, what if? Who am I, you ask? I am the Waffler. <clears throat> Holy cow, I may actually watch this show. Hello. This is Ron Swanson. Damn it, Constantine, I said no reverb. <clears throat> Hello, this is Ron Swanson. Coming this fall on LFP TV, episode one of Pawnee What If? Harvest Festifail. Imagine a world similar to the one you know, but different. In this version, Leslie and the gang must pull off the perfect Harvest Festival in order to save her beloved Parks Department. But unlike the world you know, in this one, Leslie hates many animals. Scientifically, hummingbirds are the world's cutest animals. But you know what isn't cute? Miniature horses. They're just weird. They're just weird. They're just weird. 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 And... Without Little Sebastian, the Harvest Festival is a flop and ends after only three days due to poor attendance. What happens? Tune in to find out. 
Also, on this season of Pawnee What If, we imagine what if Mark Brindanowitz stayed at City Hall? What if Ben and Chris went back to Indianapolis? What if April never forgave Andy and moved to Venezuela? What if Ron stayed with Tammy too? I scared myself there. And finally, what if Andy never fell in the pit, 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 pit? Join us next Wednesday for the season one premiere of Pawnee What If? And stick around until after the credits for a special sneak peek of our spin-off series, April Ludgate, What Evs? Thank you. That is all. All right, everybody, we're back. Well, Mark, uh, real quickly, I'll just mention we had about 10 deleted scenes this week. If you've got access to the DVDs, check those out. Mm -hmm. About three minutes and 28 seconds worth. Um, You know, I thought some of them were pretty good. There there wasn't anything here that I felt like was really, really missing, I guess, necessarily. But, you know, they're they're pretty fun to watch and just kind of imagine what the episode would have been like with them. But in this case, I'm not sure we missed too much. I I would agree with that. It seemed like the the majority of them dealt with uh, the the April – uh, storyline not yeah. all of them but I a lot that's of them fair did. yeah which which i mean it's interesting like you said to see it fleshed out but yeah. were they critical nah nah no i think it still works yep. so yeah without it but um well mark how about tropes first and fun facts i had a few uh, first and a few tropes not a lot else though how about you this week well we had mentioned a couple first yeah uh, but as before, we were speaking yeah um what else did you have other than that really I just said this is the first time to my memory that April has had a a project that she really cares about. Yeah. Yeah, Um, I think that's true. I think that's all I had, though. How about you? Well, I said it was the first time we actually saw Tom's apartment, right? We we saw the house he used to be in before he moved out with his ex-wife, Wendy. But I think it's the first time we've been in his apartment. I guess you're right. I, I remember when they moved him into his apartment. Yeah, maybe fu- like fully moved in, fully furnished. It's the first time we've been back for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's true. So, yeah. Um, I, we, I think we both said it was the first time, you know, they fully caught Jennifer Barkley off guard, you mm. know. Yeah, yeah. Um, I said it was also the first time we actually had a real true, other than Rob Lowe, connection to the West Wing. A lot of references to the West Wing forever, but with Bradley Whitford as a guest star, I mean, that's yeah, pretty direct. Yeah, um, so that's a good I don't point. know if that counts or not, but I, I'm counting it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd say we count it. Yeah, I'm going to count it. I'm sure there will be some price I'll pay for counting that as a victory later. You know, per it's a zero episode. sum game. Yeah, zero sum game. We yep. know that yep. something's going to happen. Yep, probably next. All right. So tropes, Mark. What'd you get this week? I had um, first. I want to mention one interesting thing. I'm so used to just kicking off the tropes with punching bag Jerry. I didn't, I don't think there was any in this episode. I had a question mark next to mine. Like I have a placeholder for it. And sometimes I, me too. I, yeah, this is, I think the second or third time I've actually put question mark. And I think almost every other time we've said, well, he punched himself or it was like, you know, some other thing that kind of qualified. I, I don't think there was any. I and think I'm that, sure it was in the deleted scenes, frankly. I, I think that April kind of, was bossing him around a little bit, but no more than she did Donna. Well, and I think they were both good with it. Like yes. they were taken, like, like April yeah, was boss. in charge. Yes, yeah, she was. I'm sure we'll talk about yes, it. Yes, she that. was. Yeah. yeah. Um, so the tropes I did have, yeah. um, I had fun with names, Mr. Hamster yeah. Penis, um, and, and some others, but yeah. that one kind of sticks out for kinda some reason. Sticks, yeah. Um, 
Ben mugs to the camera. He did that a lot. My God. Um, I think they ended every scene he was in with him mugging to the camera. Just like PBJ, I, I thanks to you, I now have a trope of sweet, stupid Andy yeah. that I almost say every single time. It's true. I think it qualifies not as heavily as it has in some other episodes, yeah. but I think it qualifies barely. I think so. I mean, like the, the, the puppies crawling all over him kind of has just joy in that maybe. Right. Pigs ate your noise canceling headphones. They're awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I had a food driven Ron. I had that one too. Spinning, spinning yeah. me. Of course. Yeah. Um, I also had one that I don't know if we've had before, but if we haven't, I'm going to nominate that we do it from now on. Yeah. I said RLL, Ron loves Lagavulin. Because <laughs> if you, you know what? If it's, you freeze frame, yeah. that was Lagavulin. It was. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, I, I, I've been meaning to mention this. And of course, I'll mention in a week that it didn't occur because, you know, that's what I do. <laughs> <laughs> in addition to Lagavulin being there kind of in the background a lot, yeah. um, Upland, which is an Indiana brewery uh, down in Bloomington, Indiana, a real one, is in a lot. And in fact, the, like two episodes ago and the three right before every single episode, including in the bar, Upland was present. Oh, I did notice that. Yeah. Yeah. Last year around this time, I wrote on their Facebook group out to their marketing person and asked them about it actually. And she was very nice and replied that basically that the team approached them and said, Hey, we'd love to use a real Indiana brewery in some of our scenes. Would you be good with that? And so uh, it was a bit of product placement, but sure. yeah, they were in on it and it was, you know, kind of a thing that they worked out. So kind of neat. That's kind of cool. That. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. The only other trope I had was, I can't remember if we've done this before, but it just seems like we should have, I said, meditating Chris. Oh, yeah, that fits. So, yeah, sure. That, that's all I had. How about you? Yeah, uh, I think we hit them all together. So, yeah, nice. no, that's good. Yeah. I didn't really have any goofs per se. I thought I detected one and then I realized it wasn't a goof. Hmm. But but I'll, I'll actually mention that here a little bit in my scoring because it goes to a little bit of what I like about their attention to detail. Oh, OK. Yeah. Yes. Uh, I didn't have any goofs either. Yeah. I, I had, a, I, I guess, a, a section that I would call a, a huge fun fact, which sure. we- we kind of alluded to earlier in that this this episode is a huge oh, direct yeah. homage to Aaron Sorkin's yep. The West Wing, yep. um, which I think we've heard in the past that The West Wing par- partly served as inspiration for Michael Schur to, to develop Parks and Rec. Yeah. Um, so this, let, let's tick them off, right? Yeah. The episode features Bradley Whitford, who yep. played Josh Lyman Love it. Uh, for all seven seasons on The West Wing, yep. which Rob Lowe also starred in The West Wing for four seasons yep. as Sam Seaborn. Never the same after he left, in my opinion. And yet I still like the show a lot. I completely yep. agree. Well yep. said. Um, in the background of Councilman Pilner's office, there was a framed napkin reading Pilner for Pawnee. Mark, I... I- Loved that scene so much. Yeah. It just it spoke to me deeply. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And and this is a reference to the Bartlett for America yep. uh, napkin that jo- Josiah Bartlett receives from Leo McGarry, <laughs> right. inspiring him to run for president. Yeah. Um, Such a great episode of the of the series overall. It's a flashback episode, you know, well into the run. Right. When we learn what 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 you know in the whole process of him determining whether or not he was going to run, why he did it. Great homage right there on the desk. There are a couple of things we are yeah. already mentioned. I'm not going into detail. We talked about the walk and talk. Awesome. Which yeah. West Wing is very well known for. And we've for. seen many of them in this in, in parks and we've mentioned them before. We have. Yeah. 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 It was it stood out more because it was Josh Lyman this time. Yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah. um, we also talked about how the we play with live ammo. Yes. Great, great reference yeah. to a direct quote from the West yeah. Wing. Yeah. Um, and the last one I have is uh, 
when Leslie says about her uh, upcoming debate with uh, Bobby Newport, she oh, says, yeah. and I'm going to kick his ass. And yep. that's a reference to President Bartlett saying, yep. um, boy, boy, crime, I don't know, is the moment that I decided to kick your ass to Governor Ritchie. I love it. Which, again, yep. nice reference. Governor Ritchie, what a tool. I know. Kids, if if you if you haven't seen The West Wing, all I can say is please go watch it. I don't even know if you have to necessarily have any specific political affiliation to enjoy the show. Um, I think there's a little bit in there on both sides of the fence for everybody. Quite honestly, I would I agree really with do. that. Yeah. Kids, if you haven't seen The West Wing, first yeah. of all, give yourselves a timeout. That's right, and then <laughs> and then just just try a couple of episodes. It's Put yourself really, in really a corner well with your iPad. And the West Wing. Right. There you go. Right. And you'll thank us. Well done. Yeah. Well, nice job, Mark. Hey, tell you what, I think it's time for us to score this thing because there's a little bit I want to unpack here. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Let's unpack this sucker. All right. Well, Alan, my MVP for this episode is Aubrey Plaza as April Ludgate. Nice. I like it. Um, My reasoning, I've always loved the character of April, but as she's one of those characters that they could fall back on her default character and to me that would almost always be funny but it's nice to see your favorite characters experiencing some growth and i feel like that's definitely what happened with her uh in this episode they could have kept her very one-dimensional and they didn't and i love it yeah Yeah. and the thing and it would have still worked kind of because her character is so funny even in that one dimension that they gave her more than that and and i think that this was this was kind of introduced in campaign shakeup when Ron tells April he knows damn well how smart she is and I need you to step up even if just temporarily and yeah. I thought that sets up a nice little even if just like a mini arc for her just to say you know what she's got some chops surely does you know um I like how they've transformed April's uh hatred of people into a default love of animals is like your that was your aka wouldn't it they it should was. be rewarded for not being people, people. Yeah, <laughs> hey. it's not wrong. um I know we've said this before, and at least I have. I think you agree with it, though. I I like that while they're not afraid to put April and Andy in scenes together and give them funny couple moments. I feel like they're also doing a really decent job of giving each of them their own identity independent of each other. I think that's especially been strong with April recently, which which I applaud. Um, And finally, I had to stop the episode. Because I was laughing so hard when April ran after the lady who dropped the cats at the event. Hey, hey, you, you get back here and get your bleep cats out of here. (laughs) Poor April, but so funny. Um, A few additional notes. I thought that this episode was only so-so in the strength of its comedic bench. It wasn't wasn't bad. Uh, Maybe likely because it felt like Donna and Jerry had some much reduced time. Again, not horrible, but just it's not top tier in that in that respect they've done better it's it's okay um having said that i did enjoy how donna made background profiles for each pet it was great what this cat was in boogie nights (laughs) so freaking funny um i liked how once again that they didn't put the focus on ann and tom's relationship thank god Mm. not only that but tom haverford did what is very rare for him and as you put it alan he put on his human head yeah and he was able to comfort april and he offered some real solace and quite frankly some good advice advice. all without really focusing on being pimping tom yeah nice job tom i almost expected tom to go treat please because he he was that good (laughs) um 
I love how over the past few episodes, we've seen how happy Leslie can be in a healthy relationship. And we've also seen as part of that, how she she finds herself kind of objectifying Ben. Oh, but my gosh. Not, I mean, kind of in an yeah. adoring, loving way. It, like, it, it cracks me up, but it's also it's kind of sweet. It is. And in it, its, its own way. It's nice to see, uh, you know, the female doing it to the male for once. It, I agree. I agree. <laughs> um, I also like from a plot perspective, it seems like. We, we kind of danced around this a little bit. It seems like Leslie is being repeatedly introduced to the concept that hard work and good intentions. There aren't always enough to make things work yeah. on this on this larger scale, yeah. at least. Maybe that you can do that with just in the parks department. Single department. Yeah, that's different. I think that one of Leslie's. You know, I'll say it like this. I think one of Leslie's weaknesses is that that we're seeing in this whole campaign plot line is. She's not really cut out to play politics in, in in a certain way, not in the dirty, sleazy way that sometimes seems unavoidable. But I also think that one of her greatest strengths, she's not really cut out to play politics. <laughs> you know, I mean, she's she's honest and she's genuine. And I think that there's a legitimate power in that. I agree. I got a note on that. I would watch almost anything with Bradley Whitford. I know. In it. I love it. Love it. Love it. I will say this. He was good. But it feels a little bit like the situation last week with yep. Sean Hayes because it, with well his character said. Buddy Wood, it was it, it was I know it was a nice uh, it, it was a nice homage to the West Wing. We've already covered yeah. that. I just feel like it was a little bit of a of a missed opportunity. A little stiff because he's so good. I know that that Bradley Whitford is that he's good. hysterical, and and I just feel yeah. like. There's you some, could have done a little bit more with him. There's some, I mean, West Wing has a lot of poignant, serious moments. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, yeah. But there are some really light, funny moments in that oh, show yeah. too. And he's frequently in the mix of that. Yeah. Frequently. Yep. Yep. I agree. Like when they someone says a really complex thing to him, he goes, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I get why he's totally a little more serious on on, on the that Handmaid's Tale there. Because that's some serious stuff. Whatever. You know? God. <laughs> but, but here it could have been a little funnier. Yeah. A little lighter. Yeah. I would say, but having said all that, yeah. I think that this episode was an effective setup for, let's say, the final act of the season, if you will. You know, the remainder of season four. Not yeah. bad because no, they're really going to punch the, the the campaign plot arc, I think, into high gear. Yeah. No, I think you're right. So, OK, here's the crazy Mark rubric. I gave this sucker a base score of 4.5. I, I, I thought it had good stories and good plots. I, I thought that, honestly, Ron and Chris's story was the weakest, but I thought Nick Offerman and Rob Lowe kind of paired up effectively to help carry it along. Um, I'm going to give an entire point for a great performance by episode MVP Aubrey Plaza, April Ludgate. Yep. I'm going to give half a point for what I thought were really nice guest stars. You have Bradley Whitford as Councilman Larry Pilner, uh, Catherine Hahn as Jennifer Barkley once again, Jay Jackson as the great Perd oh, Happley, yeah. um, Yvonne's Jordan as Councilman Hauser yeah, once yeah. again. Love uh, to hear dialogue from him. It was terrific. I know, yes. I know. And not just like embarrassed moments yeah, with Leslie. Right. Um, Chelsea Peretti. Oh my gosh. As a uh, thinker name was Zelda, Zelda. as yeah. uh, one of the no good Nicks yeah. that, that uh, lambasted uh, yeah. April. Um, I'm going to give half a point. I heard the treat, please. I'm going to give half a point for nice character development for and use of Tom. Mm. I want to reward it when it's done right. And they did a decent job of it in this episode. I want to give them props. We've certainly taken away when they haven't. We certainly have. Um, I'm going to give half a point um, 
for the Ron Chris storyline in general. Mm-hmm. It, I, I don't mean to give it short shrift. There wasn't a lot that happened in it. It was it was good enough. Um, and I'm giving some score for that in the base score, too. So that, that's why I'm giving that. I'm going to give a half point because um, I think apart from the clever plot moments and like the interactions with Bradley Whitford, I thought that the rest of the Leslie and Ben political plot line and their their scenes, they were pretty good. I mm-hmm. want to give a half point to them in general. I'm going to give half a point for what I call the storylines combo, which is they're 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 interweaving multiple storylines in this episode together at places, which I thought they did a good job of that. And as well, you have several characters like Anna and Donna and Jerry actually present and playing supporting roles in most of the storylines, even if not a lot. They're there, which I, I kind of appreciated. Um I'm going to give one more half point uh, for something I really like for for once again, showing us the audience that a clever and interesting solution uh, is has been posed to the problem that was presented in the episode. I like the way that they Mm -hmm. kind of addressed Mm -hmm. it. And they've done that in the past, too, like not just like, you know, you know, two and a half men going womp womp, but like actually a a clever solution. Well, and and we had to earn it. Yes. Yes. Didn't come easy. So you add all those crazy points up and uh, my final score is 8.5 Little Sebastians. I I thought that unlike last week's episode written by Nick Offerman, uh, which for me derived the bulk of its points from individual moments as opposed to the plot. This maybe derived a little bit more of it from the story, which I I like. Not that it didn't have funny individual moments. It certainly did. But I thought it was eclipsed by how good the story and the plot were. So um, that's what I got, man. How about you? I like it. Nice job. Um, well, I'll start with my MVP picks. Mm-hmm. Um, I did a co-MVP again this week. I went with Aubrey Plaza and Rob Lowe. Nice. Yeah. I thought that they both had standout moments here that made the episode a lot more enjoyable and went well with plot and uh, and, and fit their characters, right? And their character arc development for both of them, especially April, but also Chris as well this week. Yeah. Um, you mentioned something, I, you know, it made me think about... Leslie's naivete, right? Like, I think she wants this. She wants to be city council. She wants to get out of just, you know, single department politics. And yet at the same time, she's not really ready for it. And I think this is an eye opener for her about how much she really isn't ready for it. Like she doesn't see the big picture that, but Ben kind of does that, you know, you pull on this string and a thing goes up in the other room that you're not even aware exists, right? Like it's that whole, you know, counterbalance. I mean, I you remember we used to work together and I use that example a lot, oh, yeah. right? About how things are more complex than they appear on the surface. Sure. Politics, my God, if it's not a good candidate for that, what is? Right. And and even at the city council, we're not even national politics. You know, it's just like it's a step up from what she's used to. She's kind of got to get used to this and kind of make sure that she's one, what she wants. And two, that if she's going to go after it, she's got to be ready for it. She's got to think at a different level. I think we first saw the very tip of that iceberg, I want to say, in the season one episode, The Banquet. When, when her mom mm. tried to say, you know what, you need to do what's necessary. Yeah. And she's like, I, yeah. I, I can't. Yeah. Well, I would argue that maybe blackmail isn't necessary. And yet I think it was a good, that's a good example of the first time that she was faced with something she wasn't. She didn't realize here's, here's something that she might need. Here's yeah. something that yeah. could could be argued maybe yeah. is typical of politics, yeah. at least some politics. Yeah. And then there's 
her ideal and they she can't they, they're not the same the thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah no that's definitely true in that case yeah um again i love the insider west wing moments yep. and the overall vibe of the episode in terms of just taking the political side of this slightly more seriously i think that came as a, in balance as a trade-off with a little less humor than i would have liked to have had overall though like you know we talked about bradley whitford it's you know again and sean hayes last week to your point both very funny people. Yeah. Sean Hayes, maybe a little more obviously, because he's usually a comedian, a straight, you know, straight up comedian, so to speak. Um, where where Bradley Whitford does, you know, drama well, obviously, but mixed with comedy. And West Wing is one of the best roles for him that where he's ever been able to do that. So I, I felt like we just missed that. Like mm -hmm. he could have been both serious and not serious. And I think it would have just made him maybe a little kookier. And and that would not be that weird for a city council person in Pawnee. I think it would have worked. Right. Like right. I think they could have done it without giving up the things he delivered in semi-serious moments that Leslie needed to hear. Um, I loved having Bradley Whitford as a guest star. I mean, there's just, you know, no getting around that. Right. Um, I mentioned earlier, too, that I love the attention, the detail. So in Muncie, the area code 765. And when they're standing outside the, uh, you know, the, uh, the the Muncie meditation, you know, right next to, you know, uh, what was it? Achilles meal. Achilles meal. Yeah. <laughs> Fun with names. <laughs> um, love it. Uh, the, the, there's a towing sign there. And they appropriately, McConnell's towing, appropriately put the 765 area code on it. So oh, nice. I just thought that's a nice little attention to detail. Yeah. Here's my beef, though. Uh-oh. They went to Muncie to go to a meditation class. And, and Pawnee is supposed to be in like southwestern Indiana, right? Or southeastern, whatever. South. South of Indianapolis. Muncie's in, almost an hour north of Indianapolis. Yeah. So their closest place they could go meditate was in Muncie. I don't know. I, I guess it's got the best chi, Alan. It does have the best chi. That's a good point. And Chris probably would drive two hours for the extra chi. You know what? Secretly, I agree with you. But, but <laughs> I know. But the only thing I would say in its defense is if they are going to have an all day meditation, then at least they could say, you know what? We're going to do this right. We're going to drive for. Th Let's th say three, three hours, three freaking hours yeah. to go someplace yeah. where, you know what? Now we can start is <laughs> a little bit of a stretch. Maybe, maybe. Yeah, I know that's stupid. And it's, uh, it's just because I know the geography. Yeah. Most people don't. So plus Muncie has been a point of both uh, fun poking and semi ridicule in the past. So why not include it here, I guess? Absolutely. Yeah, yep. fair enough. Okay. Um, I felt like this was the most political episode of all so far. And by political, I mean in terms of dealing with real aspects of politics, not, not the whole left versus right thing, just you know, that there are consequences to taking actions in politics. Even a small budget shift can mean that you're going to have to pull that money from somewhere else. And I thought it was a good reminder of that there's there are consequences to actions. And it was a good lesson for Leslie, like we both said, I believe. I think I would agree with that. I think I would I would I was tempted to, to say when they first introduced Jennifer Barkley, I thought that that was a very, very interesting mm. storyline. And it was semi-serious because it's like, okay, we have an, an opponent that's kicking our butts now. Yeah. And what are we going to do about it? To your point, maybe not explicitly political as much as just in, in, in entertaining and, and yeah, you know, a, a plot that you got to figure out yeah. a solution to. I think it fits too, though. I think they, they pair well together for sure. Um, 
I, I said, this is my favorite, less funny episode. <laughs> <laughs> and nice. by that, again, I've already said, I felt like I wish they dug deeper to find the humor here because uh, ultimately it did affect my score. Um, I did like the the combos here, the Tom April combo, mm -hmm. the Chris Ron combo, um, you know, and of course, always Leslie Ben, of course. But um, and again, I like that they they created these interesting pairing, the power dynamic pairings that we don't always get to see work together. My big beef was, again, I would love to see more Donna and Jerry here, you know, the yeah. bench. Um, I felt like they did a good job of interweaving the plot lines to to good to the outcome of good storytelling. Let's say it that way. Yeah. Comedy was all that was missing. And if they'd had it, I would have given this a higher score than I did. I gave it an 8.5. Hmm. I think it could have easily been a nine with just a few more funny moments. Yeah, you know what? I, I think I would agree with that. Um, I also like what you said about the the, the pairings. Um, th there was a time when I would not have thought that Ron and Chris would be particularly uh, effective. effective. Yeah, but I think they may have stumbled upon a way to make them like yeah. one can be a foil for the other, but in a yes. good way. In a good way. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and you know, I think. <laughs> Ron probably likes Chris a little more than he did at the beginning. He mm. sees good things in him. So, you know, he's he's going to entertain this. I don't think it's about his motivation to be assistant city manager, honestly. I think he's just, you know, I think he kind of wants to help Chris here with this, honestly. And, and and maybe he does see that if he's in that role, he can destroy government from the inside. You know, his ultimate goal, of course. That, that yeah. was that was one thing, honestly, that kind of struck me about this whole Ron for assistant city manager thing is um. I know that he's like low budget, no spending. And yeah. so like maybe he could do that as assistant city manager. But at the same time, I think that being more involved in the Pawnee government would make him miserable. So there has to be some other driving Better force him than that. someone else, I think, is his motivation personally. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. I guess that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, because like it's a, such a machine that he can't destroy it alone. Right. Right. And yet if someone else is in charge, they might actually try to do things. Mm. At least if he's in the role, he can stop them from doing things. Right. It's better that he have the winter mantle than someone else. Oh, my God. You're such a nerd. <laughs> for, for our fans who don't know what Mark's talking about, yeah. you're welcome. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Mark, I like this episode a lot. I, I just wish it had been slightly funnier. I wish they'd used Bradley Whitford for a little more humor and, and just found some of those more comedic moments. I think it was an important episode in the arc, which, you know, with next week's episode, which is episode 20 from season four, the debate. Right. Um, I think we're going to we're going to see I'm going to I'm going to proffer. I'm going to suggest that we might see slightly higher scores for that episode than mm. we've seen in a minute. This is a ramp into that for sure. I see. And I think it was a necessary piece of storytelling to get us to the debate and you know alan it maybe it bears repeating you and i do not share no, notes no so i had no idea what your score was going to be i or expected vice versa. you to maybe give this lesser score than i did this week because of my love of the west wing hmm. you know you're a ron F swanson fanboy you've said it many times i i am totally a west wing fanboy sure and uh I, i've said that many times so I, I thought maybe we might be a little different here i'm glad to see we're not though you had the right score yeah nice I, I did have the right score all right. Well, Mark, I think that about does it for yep. us this week. And uh, thank you, everybody, for listening and watching at home, of course. And uh, we will uh, look forward to speaking with you next week. All right. Bye, everyone. Bye, everyone. Live from Pawnee is a copyrighted production of the creators. 
Copyright 2020. All rights reserved. Original music was created and performed by Aaron Emerson of Emerson Studios. Clips are used under fair use doctrine for the purpose of commentary and parody. Please see our website at livefrompani.com for more details or to contact us.